3: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
4: You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast.
2: All right, good morning. Happy Monday. Welcome into the show. Bill Ryder with you here on CBS Sports Radio. Hope you had a marvelous weekend. Busy for a Monday in August. A lot of things to get to. Don't know if it's going to work, but Sean Payton is doing what you have to do when you enter any dysfunctional situation. And that has set some boundaries, including with his quarterback, who goes from having his own office last year to having some new parameters set for how things are going to go. It's the right step in the right direction. We'll see if it works out. We'll talk about that later. Not one, but two soccer stories today. One so unbelievable, doesn't seem real. The other a bummer of disappointment. I watched one of those, and in a shocking development, I did not watch the U.S. Women's National Team. Tom DeCelestino, the executive producer, those of you that listen regularly know, doesn't watch soccer at all, but he watched this. Just right right for him to tune in for the bummer version of the sport. But whatever, we'll get into that 20 or 30 minutes from now. Lakers gave Anthony Davis a, a massive historically massive, although it's a bit of a misnomer, contract extension, because everyone's massive contract extensions are going to be a lot because the cap has gone up and the money has increased. But still, they bet on AD. I understand it. It makes sense on paper. They have their reasons. It is a colossal error in judgment. We'll, we'll deal with that in about 40 minutes. Ty Dunn, our friend who covers the NFL on Substack, will be on the show in an hour. Now, we had him last week, but we wanted to bring him back because he wrote, we talked about it. At the end of, at the, end of the, the week last week, Ty Dunn wrote a great story on the Jacksonville Jaguars and the drama and dysfunction and trying to rise from the ashes of being coached by Urban mired in dysfunction. Ty will be on the show in an hour. We'll hit some other things. Buy or sell, is always, with, with Tommy. Tom, good morning, buddy. Did you have a, Tom went to Sesame
0: Street land or, 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 or Sesame Streetville with, with his family. How Was it cool? Good morning, Bill. Happy Monday to you. Sesame Place Mm. in Pennsylvania was absolutely awesome. The little dude loved it. What was his favorite ride? Favorite ride was probably, I know this is going to sound a little weird, but it was the teacups. He loved it. He loved it. He got off. He was a little dizzy. Sure. But he was screaming and yelling and laughing the entire time. Little, little diesel. Little diesel,
2: I love everything about that. Well, I know you know this, but hold on to these moments because life comes at you fast, and then you wake up and your kid's a teenager. Hell, life comes at you fast if you're a major Power Five conference one day, and then you cease to basically exist the next. So we we've been we've been on this, we've been talking about this, we've been telling you, and you've seen it too. The Pac-12 one week ago today was an entity that existed and had a path forward to continue to exist. Today, it has four members, and they are scurrying for an exit if they can. Look, it sucks. It's unfair. I'm on the West Coast. I know some of you, including my boy Jeff, who lives in Dallas, sent me some crazy tirade yesterday about how I should open the show with who cares. Stop with hypocrisy. There's a lot of anger out there. All right, cool. The final conclusion is this, the future of college football, the one we've always dreaded, whether it's a single conference or two major conferences and that's it, or two major conferences that control and puppet master lesser satellite so-called conferences that orbit them, it's here, it's arrived. We haven't seen it in its final form, but the dissolution of the Pac-12 suddenly last week with four teams that remain and most of the teams having scattered to other places is the reality that was always going to happen. Uh, the, the Sun Also Rises, which I know is um, a book Diesel reads once a week by, by Hemingway, has a great line about how one of the characters went broke. And it applies perfectly to how the Pac-12 ceased to exist. They're asked, he is asked in the, in the in, in the novel, how did it happen? And the answer is very slowly and then all at once. And that's the reality here. Look, the SEC is... The big dog, and always was. The thing that is affecting all sports, the influx of money, especially how valuable live rights are in a world where television ratings aren't incredibly high, you can TiVo almost anything but not live sports because it'll get spoiled. The writer's strike here in L.A. that has certainly pushed people who put programming out there to value non-unscripted things like sports, that money was always going to infect everything. And there's a difference of opinion whether it's good or it's bad. I actually don't think necessarily that the end of the Pac-12 per se is the worst thing on the face of the earth for sports fans. I don't think it's the worst thing on the face of the earth that Oregon made the decision, you know what, to hell with it. We're going to go and we're going to make our move. And Arizona and Arizona State... Did the exact same thing. And that the only teams that are left standing in the, can I even call it, Tom, I don't usually bring in in the open, but I I don't even know. Can I call, should I call it the Pac-12 or the Pac-4? How do you want it referred to on the show? You get to make a real-time decision. Uh, Let's go with Pac-4. So the Pac-4 has Washington State that has been linked to the Mountain West. Think about what a come down that is. Think, just take that in for a second. That is brutal. The Pac-4 has Washington State, also linked to the Mountain West. Cal doesn't have a natural fit right now. Remember, Cal and Stanford, the other two of the remaining schools, had at least been somewhat possibly linked to the Big Ten. That was a possible reality and a possible move after Oregon and Washington, who who were going. Okay. But that has cooled, and the Big Ten may not need them. And this isn't about happiness or loyalty or tiddlywinks or rainbows or the idea of puppy dogs. This is cutthroat, brutal business. And in order for conferences to survive, they have to kill other conferences. The Big Ten, and I'm talking about when all of the newly minted members arrive, so it's not today. But the Big Ten will be, is, is planned to be, will be an 18, 18, 1-8, 1-8 18 team conference. Probably enough. The SEC has 16 teams. Remember, Texas and Oklahoma joining. And I I guess, give the Big 12 credit, they have 16 teams. They're not necessarily the most desirable on the face of the earth, and it's going to look very, very different in the years ahead. But if you are looking at a reality where some proud schools on the West Coast are eyeing the Mountain West as a way of means of survival, then the Big 12 is in really, really good shape. I don't think that reality that I just walked you through is necessarily bad for football fans. I don't really care in the end game. I'm still going to talk about these sports and watch them and be interested in them where these conferences play. Now, it obviously matters for individual schools. USC and UCLA have been strongly rewarded for their lack of loyalty. Because they land on really high ground. And the moment they made the decision that they were going to leave the Pac-12, in retrospect, is when the the Pac-12 died. But they get out. They get the best possible deal. They join that conference with the, whole, the Big Ten with a whole bunch of leverage and good feelings. You come in as Oregon. You come in as Washington. There's more desperation. They don't get a full piece of the pie. It doesn't matter. It's about survival. Stanford is rumored maybe to, to be going independent, maybe try to follow a model like Notre Dame. It makes sense. They're a, like Notre Dame, remarkable academic institution. They have a storied history. They can probably plug in those games. Oregon State, Washington State, they're screwed. And if you're, if you're hoping for the Mountain West, you're in deep trouble. Just in terms of pure finances, if conferences like the Mountain West exist in 10 years, they will be subservient to those conferences that remain, and you've got Cal who doesn't have a natural fit right now. But although it isn't a major market, right? It, it is in it's in Berkeley, which is really San Francisco. It has a history. It's got obviously basketball and football programs. Football programs aren't amazing, but but they'll probably find a home if they want to. I don't think it's terrible for 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 football fans. It's not bad for viewers. It obviously actually is fine for viewers because whether you like it or not, you're not making the, the conscious decision. Neither am I. Viewers are what drive this. It's Fox Sports, and probably the big winner, that drives this. It's ESPN that drives this. It is the television contracts that make this happen. And there is a remarkable amount of hypocrisy going on from the leaders of these schools. And maybe that's part of what makes people so angry. It shouldn't be new. The people that have had their hand in the till of college athletics, and when we say college athletics and money, we mean college football 91% of the way. We, need, we mean college basketball 9% of the way. And nobody gives a you-know-what about swimming or tennis or softball or lacrosse or any of the other sports. The moment that college football became a business. This is long before NIL and the transfer portal. Those are just a means of equitability, of things being fair in a system that changed a long time ago. Once the big money found its way to college football and the lie that it was amateur sports was sold to you and me, that's the moment all of these folks, presidents of universities, athletic directors, cats in Indianapolis stop actually caring about softball and swimming and student-athletes. Because the moment you lie about the most important thing, which is college football, you lie about everything. The moment they looked at each other and winked and came to the podium and said, we love the student-athletes, the moment that became an inside joke in the halls of power, nobody cared about the other sports. Those are the losers. And to a degree, I think fans, look, I have my own life experience, you have yours, it's how I filter everything. I know Missouri's been in the SEC for a long time, and I know you don't care. But I can sort of understand in a way that maybe Oregon fans and Washington fans and Arizona fans and Arizona State fans, and we'll see what happens with Clemson and Florida State. It's not like the ACC's in in good shape with their, what, 14 teams because their two main schools aren't sure they want to be there. I'm glad Missouri still exists in a major conference. They made the right move financially going to the SEC. But I don't have a connection to Missouri football the way that I used to. I talk about it. I joke about it. I don't watch that much. I just don't. A, because the product is, looks at notes, hot, a pile of, of hot, stinking garbage. But also because I have no connection to the SEC in an emotional way with with Missouri. I like watching SEC football. But it'd be like watching the Detroit Tigers play in the National League every single day. I just, I, it doesn't. It doesn't fit for me. be like thinking about Tom watching soccer. It just, I can't get my mind around it. And, and so there is something lost. It's nostalgic. That's connective. That's the way you knew your sports. And I think fans do care. And I think maybe some student-athletes to a degree do. But the fat cats don't care. They, they don't care at all. And so I do think it's ironic that one of the best takes I've heard on this, it's Eli Drinkowitz, who's, who's the coach at Missouri. And look, he wasn't there. He's not the, but this is the head coach at Missouri a guy who is, I think, speaking truth about all these changes, this seismic shift, this happened very, very slowly and then happened all all at once, reality. But it's coming from a guy at Missouri whose school did this years ahead of schedule. Still, here's the Mizzou head coach, I think, speaking for a lot of people about the inevitability, but still what's been lost.
4: All right, I'm going to say it. I thought the transfer window, I thought the portal was closed. Uh, oh, that's just for the student athletes, the adults in the room get to do whatever they want, apparently. And it's, um, you know, it's just sad that there's, um, look, I, I, my question is, did we count the cost? I'm not talking about a financial cost. I'm talking about, did we count the cost for the student athletes involved in this decision? What cost is it to those student athletes? We're talking about a football decision, they based off football, but what about softball and baseball who have to travel cross country? Do we ask about the cost of them? Do we know what the number one indicator of, uh, of symptom of, or cause of mental health is? It's lack of rest and sleep. Traveling in those baseball softball games, you know those, those people, they travel commercial, they get done playing at four, they got to go to the airport, they come back, it's three or four in the morning, they got to go to class. I mean, did we ask any of them? Are we going to look back? I I don't worry at all about the game. The game is going to be strong. Football is going to be fine. We'll all figure it out. But did we consider the people that we are entrusted with? Did we consider the student athlete? No, because he doesn't care. And frankly, neither do you, maybe. And frankly,
2: maybe neither do I. I mean, I I do when I think about it. Like you care about somebody who's in, in dire straits if they're pointed out to you. But how often when we're talking sports do we really think about the swimmers or the tennis players? Or the we don't. I don't turn on my television. I mean, I like, I like tennis. I don't watch college tennis. You know? Tommy's a big pickleball guy. He's not watching. Is there college pickleball? I don't think so. This is the reality. And now that it's out in the open, now that there's no pretense, now that it's the godfather, part 11, now that it's just about survival and cash and money and power, this isn't the end. This isn't the reality. It's not, okay, we got, we, got, you know, we got 18 Big Ten schools and 16 from the SEC and the Big 12, and I guess the ACC will limp along and the Mountain West. No, man. It is going to be a knife fight until we get to whatever is going to be the reality of college sports. I, I thought it would be one mega conference before. I think where we're heading, and, and i got to be careful even trying to guess length, how long this will be, because greed and fear speed, speed things up. But let's say three to five years, you're going to have, I think, the SEC and the Big Ten are in charge. And maybe the Big 12 kind of hangs on and is a subsidiary of those and sort of, you know, yeah, like, like, the, like the kid in high school who was part of the cool crew but wasn't cool, right? Like that guy, kind of the joke, you know, the jester. The that, maybe that's what the Big 12 will be. And I'm a Big 12 guy. I'm not taking shots. I'm just speaking reality. I know this segment's long, but I want to play Deion Sanders as we get ready for all these conferences to keep carving each other up and in the next move. Because Dion, head coach of Colorado, Colorado just left for the Big 12. It's hard to keep track of, isn't it? Again, part of the many dominoes that have rewritten everything. The guy is nothing if not straightforward, and he nailed exactly what this world, college football, college sports are about.
4: All this is about money. You know that. It's about a bag. Everybody's chasing a bag. Then you get mad at the players when they chase it. How's that? How do, how do the grown-ups get mad at the players when they chasing it, when the colleges are chasing
1: it? Yeah, that's true. I, I just I know, yeah, that I know
4: that's true. A couple, couple more teams moving today, rumored. I mean, it's just yeah. crazy. Yeah, same teams are talking about us, right?
2: It's about a bag. And I'm telling you, greedy people aren't satisfied just because they get a little more. If the Big Ten and the SEC were satisfied, we'd still have a Pac-12. We have a Pac-4. And we won't have it very long. It's over. It's done. It happened in the blink of an eye. It's a cutthroat world. Good, bad, I don't know. Hypocritical, greedy, absolutely. I can deal with that. I'm just not going to pretend that college sports is anything other than what it's always been. And that is a bunch of people who want the money and want the power. And will tell you anything they need to get it. It's not going to affect me as a viewer. It's not going to affect you. But man, it just destroyed an entire conference on the West Coast. And a conference of tradition. Some of those schools have no chance to be competitive again. Ever. You're an Oregon State fan. You're a Washington State fan. Maybe Cal Stanford will see. You went from being a proud institution with a history to the consequence, the casualty of somebody else's greed, and there may not be a path forward. That sucks. Life ain't fair sometimes, and that is the reality of sports occasionally, certainly in this case. All right, if you if you got to take Pac-4, Pac-12. I'm not trying to make light of it. It's, it's brutal. Pac-4 fans, 855-2124-CBS. If you're listening to a Big Ten or a Big 12 or an SEC market or like me, you're just a fan of one of those conferences, 855-212-4CBS. Where does this go? What does the future hold? And let's be frank, honestly, with no judgment, do you care? Does it affect you? 855-212-4CBS. you want to give us your take? Or Twitter, Writer sports, R-E-I-T-E-R. We'll get into some messy magic after your calls. And Sean Payton sends in a signal next year on CBS Sports Radio. This show is sponsored in part by BetterHelp. Look, sometimes in life we're faced with tough choices. That's part of the deal. And the path forward isn't always clear. Whether you're dealing with decisions around career, relationships, or anything else, therapy helps you stay connected to what you really want while you navigate life. So you can move forward with confidence and excitement. Trusting yourself to make decisions that align with your values is like anything. It's like sports. The more you practice it, the easier it gets therapy can give you the tools to find more balance in your life so you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. You know we all have been through some unpredictable times over the last few years. You get it. And it's not a sign of weakness. It really isn't just ask for help if you need it. You can ask for help. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely, online, it's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Let therapy be your map with Better BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash writer, that's my last name, R-E-I-T-E-R, today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash R-E-I-T-E-R
5: There's joy in every journey.
4: He's Bill Ryder, and he's always right.
2: I'm an actual dad. If You have a dog, you're not a dad. If You have a cat, you're not a dad. I'm a pet person. You cannot on Mother's Day, when everybody's posting photos of their kiddos, get on there and be like, being a mother's a real whatever, change who I am. You're an idiot. That's a cat.
4: It's writer than you on CBS Sports Radio. Welcome back into the show,
2: Bill Ryder With you, Happy Monday. What is up? Thank you for being here, Tom. As you know, I think I brought this up on the show last week. I um, my wife and kiddos are in Lima, Ohio, hanging out. Where Lori's from, I could not make the trip. I've got some some CBS Sports HQ work I got to do this week, and so I'm here. And this show, of course, I'm here. Would you like to guess how many pizzas I've ordered, I've eaten, in the four days they've been gone?
0: Four days? I'm going to go with three pizzas.
2: Two pizzas. Well, two pizzas. Okay, two pizzas.
0: I was close. But I, eat
2: each, I ate each of them in a,
0: full, a whole sitting. That's not great.
2: That's I'm, not great. Oh, it was good for me. I'm also watching, I don't know why, I'm just re-watching Justified starting at season four. So good. So good. And I'm having a lot of pad thai and also cereal. I'm subsisting on pizza, pad thai, (laughs) and cereal. It's been great.
0: All right. So I got two follow-up questions for you. Hit me. Have you done either wash the dishes in the sink and or done any loads of laundry? So this is a strange
2: thing. I'm actually I think cleaner than my wife. Although don't know if I do as many chores as I should when she's around. So I have done yes a couple loads of dishes keep the dishes here's my philosophy lori waits till every like she piles everything up i'm like hey i got a half a load of of dishes run it it's easier to put away i've got you know i'm not going to wait until my whole hamper's full i'm going to put nine things in the in the washer cuz then when i dry i don't have to fold as much stuff so yeah i've been keeping it moving That's
0: i do good. have That's a front you
2: man i do have a fruit fly problem though and i've been trying to like make these traps with <laughs> vinegar and i can't get- it's like me against the fruit flies and they're winning it's really pissing me off actually when you realize fruit flies are brighter than you, it's really frustrating. <laughs> um, all right, so a few things to get to. Let's start with a little soccer. So let's start with the U.S. Women's National Team. Look, I normally watch the U.S. Women's National Team. I like soccer. I'm, a, you know, I love this country. So Olympics or or soccer, our national soccer teams, men's and women's, I'm in. Whatever, I'm am in. I didn't really follow it largely because it's on at two in the morning or midnight my time. I am so they got eliminated. They didn't play particularly well. It was not surprising that they lost. They lost on penalty kicks. It was a heartbreaking
0: reality. I woke up to it. I was shocked to hear you watched this thing? I watched this bad boy on Sunday morning. It started at 5 a.m. Eastern, my time, and I picked it up, I'd say, at about 5.50. I picked it up. It was about the 48th minute.
2: And you watched it from there. Were you, were you captivated or just tired and bored?
0: Captivated because I was okay. very fearful that they were going to lose, so it had my attention.
2: And I guess so, Megan Rapino, who's, uh, did I say her name right? Megan Rapino. Rapino. I do that every time. It's lucky like I don't host a national live radio show. Megan Rapino, who's very controversial, which I think is, like, I don't, people have their opinions on things beyond the sports they play. That's fine. That's America. Do your thing. Um, Rapino, and she's a little bit older. She's more of a veteran. She didn't play a lot, but she obviously came in later in the match. She missed—was it ugly, the miss?
0: The miss was very ugly, and as you said, she was subbed in very, very, very late in the match. She hardly played at all. Bill, it wasn't even close. It wasn't even close. Penalty kicks are stressful. Well,
2: look, the U.S. Women's National Team reminds me of Ronda Rousey. You ready for this? Because I used to—this is my covering UFC days. I'm going to make a Ronda Rousey comparison— Ronda Rousey burst onto the scene in women's MMA and just dominated it. I mean, was, was was as famous as you can be, was wealthy, was rich, and seemed literally unbeatable, as did the U.S. women's national team for a long time. But Ronda Rousey and the U.S. women's national team also inspired other women to play that sport and to aspire to a different level, level and to believe they could get there. And so in a lot of ways, the lack of domination by the U.S. women's national team, for me, And the consequence, which is that they lost, and you got up early in the morning and watched it over the weekend, is that reality is as much a legacy of their greatness as the World Cups that they won. If you're going to be that big and that incredible and that sterling and dominate a sport for, for a generation or more, eventually you're going to inspire other young girls who become young women and competitors to play at a really high level. I'm sure a lot of the women who played in the World Cup and played against the U.S. Women's National Team, grew up looking at the U.S. Women's National Team in the past. Like, I want to be that. I want to do that. It's not the end we wanted. It's not ideal. I'm not going to pretend that I watched those matches. I watched one when I was in Maine because of the time zone difference. But maybe not bravo to the U.S. Women's National Team this time around, but this is the reality. If you set the stage for something, if you legitimize women's soccer, if you make it a, a more than a niche sport, if you make it something that is captivating for a whole bunch of people— it's also going to raise the water line, raise all the boats around you, and, the, and you're going to face better teams. So it's a bummer that it ended. Happier soccer news. I want to get to the champagne thing, but really quickly, holy bleep and bleep. I'm sure you didn't watch it because it was late. Messi, late last night. My son would be so mad if you heard this. Hope he's not listening. My son loves Messi. Decides he's an Inter-Miami fan. They're in Lima. I'm watching the match. Messi's playing. Messi and Inter-Miami are playing Dallas. I don't know anything about MLS. It's some cup. It's called the, is it the League's Cup. I don't know. It's Mexico club teams, and they're down 4-2 with 10 minutes left. Messi's already scored a goal. They're about to lose, and I get this text from Lori. My, Henry is crying in Lima. He's angry. He might be saying some words that we've got to get him to stop saying. And Lori says to me, is it possible for them to come back? It's 10 minutes left. They're down 4-2. to I mean, this is sort of like being down 7-1 to in the ninth inning. In, in baseball, or three touchdowns, or maybe even 24 points at halftime, and you have you have an all-time great, maybe, yeah, maybe, I guess, in theory, you're down 21 points and are in the fourth quarter of a game seven. It's possible, it's highly unlikely. And long story short, Miami scores a random goal, own goal, and then Messi, with time almost over, has a, has a free kick and score. It looks like a buddy of mine said that it was video game stuff. To me, it's like, I know we're not probably in a simulation, but if we are, this is the kind of like the kick-defied gravity. Have you seen the highlights, D- Tom? It was, it's just shocking how good this guy is. And long story short, Inter Miami comes back and wins on on penalty kicks.
0: It looks like he pushed a button to it's make crazy. the ball move. I mean, Billy, I, I didn't think it had any chance.
2: It's crazy. Look, I, I actually this is going to make MLS fans mad, I, I think. And if you're not So I'm going to say something that's going to alienate those of you that don't watch soccer and those of you that watch MLS. This is really like really good way to uh, appeal to a broad MLS is garbage. Like it kind of is. But Messi is so good and so remarkable that it's worth watching. And like with the US Women's, US Women's National Team, sometimes a, a ridiculous historic level raises the level of those around them including competitors. Messi's already raised the level of the people he plays with. There's a few particular players who have just gone to another place the last three or four games. He has seven goals, by the way, in, I don't know, is it three, it's four games or three games, whatever the hell it is. It's crazy. This FC Dallas team, I think that's the right name of the team, they played at a higher level than the other teams that have played Messi. And I'm just telling you, MLS is going to have some moments where you're watching and you're not, not into it, but, but I think it'll get better in just trying to respond to, to Messi. But even if you're not a soccer fan, or, you're, or, or you are, and you're, you're watching like me MLS and thinking, oh, this is not the product you want to sell Americans, Messi is so good. It's so insane. It's hard to explain. It's Tom Brady in that second half against Atlanta. It's LeBron James, really, in the finals that he lost to the Warriors. It's Jordan, basically, any of the six finals he won. It's that level of greatness, and it's been every single night, and it's worth your time. Uh, the Denver Broncos, I'm just going to hit a bunch of stuff. The Denver Broncos, dude, I, Tom... I, We'll do this. Can you write this down? Help me remember. I think when we get slow, maybe in a couple of weeks, we should each rank the five or ten storylines that we think are the most interesting entering the NFL season and just do a countdown. And I don't know where I'm going to put this, but I think the, because the NFL is so fascinating every year, I think the Broncos are on the list. I'm just fascinated by what they're going to be. Russell Wilson was, was putrid last year. Maybe he's washed. Maybe. But maybe the lack of boundaries and having his own office and thinking he ran the show and acting like, you know, Mr. Big Big Britch's guy was part of the problem. So it's interesting that Sean Payton in their preseason game that's coming up is going to play all the starters, including Russell Wilson. That's interesting. And I think it says something. But listen to this, to this clip of, of Sean Payton, the head coach now of the Broncos, uh, who put his foot in his mouth a week ago involving Nathaniel Hackett, now trying to do what he needs to do, which is set boundaries for his team. And there's a part about Russell Wilson here at the end that I think is the right adult, respectful way to say, in effect, this guy's
4: not in charge.
3: You had said you were going to play your starters in the preseason. Is that...
2: Yeah,
4: I haven't shelled anything? it out yet, but they're going to play. We'll we'll figure out how many snaps. Um, you know, we typically break a game into three phases: first, second, third phase, and then special teams. We might just do two phases, but we'll have a plan. Especially as we get into next week, I've got a few notes written down. So I don't have a pitch count. I don't have an exclusion list. As you know, if, if someone's got a a light injury that we back, but I mean, we can expect to see our guys play a little bit. That that would include Russell. Yeah, that would include he's
2: a player.
0: <laughs>
2: See, everybody's laughing, but he's not. He's not. He's not joking. He's a player. He's not a coach. He's not a decision maker. He's not a guy sitting in his private office who gets to dictate to Sean Payton. I'm not going to play. He's a player. He is, and I'm sure Sean, this is Sean Payton's like words, right? He's an extraordinary player. He's a winner. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. He's my guy. But he's a player, and that's the role. And I know it seems small, Tom. I don't know where you come down on this, but I think setting boundaries is going to be important. Obviously, Sean Payton put his foot in his mouth and I think did himself no favors and went super Hollywood when he called Nathaniel Hackett basically a bum, who was the coach of Denver last year. But it also reveals, he revealed, what a mess he's inherited. What an absolute, toxic, dysfunctional disaster the Broncos are. And fixing that won't be easy, and I think setting down some parameters, setting some boundaries, that is one of many things that have to happen if they're going to turn this thing around.
0: Bill, when I first saw this on Saturday when Peyton said this, I saw the headline, just the headline, that Russ was going to play on Friday in their preseason opener against the Cardinals. I thought it was dumb. I thought it was dumb. I did not hear the context of the follow-up of Sean Peyton saying, yeah, he's a player, he's just like all our other starters, why would he be any different? That part, that's the important That's the meat here. And I think it's necessary, yeah. I I think Peyton is striking the right tone. Just last week to USA Today, totally wrong tone. This week over the weekend, perfect tone.
2: One more thought. Maybe I'm playing armchair psychologist here, but I think there's something to it. I think Sean Payton understands that there's a myriad of things that have to be fixed with the Broncos and several things that have to be fixed with Russell Wilson. And one of them is confidence. Russell Wilson's always been kind of a cornball, right? And I don't know him. But from a distance, and talking to some of the guys who have played with him, and some of them have have talked about this publicly, there's always been almost a false bravado, right? A, A trying too hard to be an alpha or be the cool guy when he's not. He's just a super talented quarterback. Sometimes people like that can be fragile or insecure or whatever the words are. Who knows if Russell Wilson's confidence is intact? It's probably not. And so to play him in a preseason game that doesn't matter, that isn't significant, that presumably may not have the world's most fierce competition on the other side in terms of who's playing, and if they are, it's not like they're focused as if it's a Monday night football game. Might just be a chance for Russell Wilson to, again, have some experiences in a somewhat competitive game in which he plays football at a level that he used to, to just reclaim a little bit of that confidence. I, I like it. And as much as, as Peyton went Hollywood on the hack of things, you got to trust him to know what he's doing on the football side of things and get there and to me, unusual though it is, it makes sense. All right, 855-212-4CBS is the phone number. Sometimes in life, you're presented with an opportunity, and it seems like the right thing, and everybody tells you you have to do it, and the group thinks, says, this is the move, and it takes a lot of courage to go the other direction. Well, the Lakers are cowards, and that's why they gave Anthony Davis the deal everybody would. That is a colossal error in judgment. AD's extension, and what it says about the Lakers, it ain't good, after we get a CBS Sports Radio update,
5: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
4: He's Bill Ryder,
2: and he's always right. Let's get it going.
4: It's Ryder Than You on CBS Sports Radio. All
2: right, what's going on? Bill Ryder with you. Yeah, man, I cannot stop watching Justified. It, It is... Do you have anything that is just, you can put it on at any point of a series, or a book, a book maybe, I don't know, that's just, and it just, it captures you, The I, Justified is so viciously underrated.
0: Did you seriously ask me if there's a book? Like, do you know who you're talking to right now? I mean, as soon as I said it, I realized that
2: that didn't apply, and then I was going to make a joke about Seacliff Run or C-Spot Run, and then I thought it'd be mean.
0: Yeah, there's no book for me. Uh, TV show or series? How about Sons of Anarchy? I love that TV series. Wow, really? I could watch a random episode and be hooked. Didn't like the ending. I didn't love it. I didn't mind it as much as you did. What Jax did? Didn't like it. I was okay with it. Can
2: I tell you? I thought uh, their season finales, other than their series finale, their season finales were among the best I've ever seen.
0: Fantastic show that I was on board with the very first episode. I watched Um, that bad boy live.
2: That's funny because Stuart Kovacs, who, who produces, associate producer of Rome and Maggie Perloff, when he produced me, went through a, I think Sons of Anarchy might have been part of this. He went through like a, a a sort of motorcycle leather phase where he was spikes and bikes, (laughs) spikes and bikes. That's what he was into. It was his. That was his thing. Um, The Lakers have given Anthony Davis an absolutely massive, massive, massive contract extension. It's a three-year, $186 million extension. Now, he was under contract for two more years, so this is a, a five-year total Is how long he has put pen to paper to be a Laker. And those final three years, the extension will bring him about, on average, $62 million a year. That is, that is the richest annual contract extension in the history of the NBA. I understand all the reason the Lakers are doing it. The the world has changed drastically, and it's affected the NBA significantly in the sense that having a major market does not in any way now guarantee a major star. Ask the Knicks, ask the Nets, ask the Bulls. To a degree, you can ask the Miami Heat. I guess you can judge Jimmy Butler how you would like. But the era where you're just assured, and the Lakers used to be, that if things don't go well in recruiting or the draft, you're just going to go out and find whoever you want to find isn't true anymore. And by the way, that reality's been the reality for a while. It hasn't applied to the Lakers as much as people think because, yeah, they got Shaq, but they drafted Kobe. Who's, who's other than LeBron, who's the last big-time free agent to come there? there? There haven't been many. I mean, between Shaq and LeBron, the answer was, eh, in terms of someone forcing a trade or, or signing. It's also true that the Lakers have always allowed stars a little more time. They've erred on the side of having a star, even if that star uh, shines a little bit less brightly later in their years, as a part of their approach and their policy. True for Kareem, true to a degree for Magic, for different reasons, obviously, he left the game and came back. True for Kobe, just true, part of the the deal. And I think the Lakers live in fear of not having a star. And there's a chance LeBron retires or steps away in in a year or two, or or steps away to go play with his, his son. Brian James, who has his own health issues, obviously, there's a lot, a lot of moving parts here. I, I get all the reasons you would do it. I, I just, and I would overpay for a snar that I believe in. I don't believe in Anthony Davis. I don't think he's trustworthy. I don't think he can stay healthy. I know that he is on his best day, and his best days do happen sometimes in the playoffs. A top, hell man, top three player in the NBA. He really is. He just never is two games in a row or three out of four games, and certainly not continuously over the course of a season. That's why he's not a top three player in the game. Nikola Jokic, consistent. Giannis Antetokounmpo, consistent. LeBron James, who, I, and I have to do a top 100 list, which I love doing every year for Sports.com. I'm super excited. I don't know where LeBron's going to fall. Probably like somewhere between 8 and 12 is my guess. Consistent when he was number one, consistent when he's number three, and whatever he is now, he'll be consistently that. Anthony Davis is not Reliable. Anthony Davis is often hurt. As our executive producer, research, you know, the bristler over here, the research bristler pointed out, since becoming a Laker in 2019, Anthony Davis has played 194 of 307 possible games. And he is getting older, not younger, because he ain't Benjamin Button stupid movie I've never seen. That's a Tom comment. I don't know if it's stupid. Have you seen Benjamin Button?
0: Uh, no, but I know the premise.
2: He ages backwards. Yes. That's just dumb in general. Brad Pitt, I believe. Yeah, Brad Pitt's been in some bad movies, but I don't know if it is bad because I haven't seen it. Anthony Davis ain't Benjamin Button. He's not aging backwards. He's 30. He's going to be 35 when this deal is up. There's no guarantee that he's going to be able to be consistently healthy, more likely to go the other direction. And I hate, I hate it. And here's why. Like, I understand the Lakers don't want to go through a rebuild. I understand they don't want to have two or three years in the wilderness. I understand that they never want to be in a position where they don't compete. That is not reality anymore. That is not reality anymore. Unless you're going to invest in youth and try to bridge the gap. But the Warriors have tried that, and it hasn't helped. So the idea that when LeBron goes away in two years, because they could have just had LeBron play for a year or two, Anthony Davis' contract before the extension was two years. They could have competed. They're one of the favorites this year. They have the 6 Beth odds to win an NBA title at 13-1. to one. They brought back the band, basically, and brought it. I gave Vincent as an addition. I think they're actually better than they were post-trade deadline in February of this year. I like their team this upcoming year. But that does not translate to success in two or three years. They should have just let this play itself out and accepted the inevitable. If they had Zach Levine. If they had even Trey Young, and I can't believe I'm putting Trey Young in this conversation, but, but I guess I am. If they had Zion, who I don't trust either. If they had any number of really talented young players who have been inconsistent with injury or you don't quite, quite trust, but they were young, okay, I get it. Like, you bet, on, you, you bet on the upside, you bet on the youth, you hope they figure it out. Anthony Davis's sample size of inconsistency, injuries and otherwise, is much larger than the guys I just mentioned because he's been in the league longer. He's never won anything without LeBron James. He's not going to. That is who he is. And he's 30. He is Humpty Dumpty getting old. I mean, think about Humpty Dumpty who fell off the ledge and all the kings. Was it king or queens, Whatever, royalty. Tried to put him back together again. I don't know how old Humpty Dumpty was, but I don't think he was old. I think he was a young egg who fell off the stupid. By the way, if you're an egg, be careful when you're sitting on a ledge. Anthony Davis ain't a young Humpty Dumpty. He's an older, gray-beard Humpty Dumpty. It's not going to work. I hate it. It's a mistake. Mark my words. It's like This is like the Urban Meyer hire. This is like all these, it's like Kyrie Irving every time somebody goes and gets him. We'll talk about this later in the show. It's a, it's like hold on to Shohei Otani and then losing 31 games in a row. Sometimes you know it's a mistake when it happens. And I reserve the right to remind you in a year or two or three months what a colossal error in judgment the Lakers made. Tom, do you want to roll? Do you want to defend? Do you want to come to the to the to to the to the heroic rescue on this show of either Anthony Davis or the fictional egg Humpty Dumpty.
0: Uh certainly not the fictional egg because if you're an egg, why are you why are you sitting on a ledge like that to begin with? Like don't be careful on the ledge. Don't be on the ledge at all.
2: He's an egg, right? Yeah. What a disturbing tale as a kid. But I hated that. It freaked me out.
0: And then with Anthony Davis, like I don't know, when we were talking this morning pre show it kind of felt like Kyler Murray to me. Like they have they have a guy who could be their guy, but maybe not. Like they, they felt like they were obligated to play the dude, uh, pay the dude. Like not that they wanted to go well out of their way, which they did, but they certainly didn't have to. Like no, I don't, I don't love this. They felt like they had to.
2: I would rather have Kyler Murray than Anthony Davis under this contract. Wow, I know. Wow, he's younger. He plays Kyler Murray a position that is irreplaceable. Like Anthony Davis, part of his magic is when he's healthy, he, is, he can be the best player on the floor offensively and defensively. But he's kind of a head case, right? He vanishes from games sometimes, and he can't stay healthy. And he also, like, I'm not saying he fakes back injuries, but how many times in a big moment do you see him like, oh, my back, and you're like,
0: bro, you're fine. I know it's stressful. We're like, come on. Plus, too, don't you think he's going to vanish more often without LeBron playing with yes. him?
2: Yes. I, I mean, when he was younger... I saw him in New Orleans. I know how that story ended. The guy couldn't win playoff games. Couldn't win playoff series. I get why the Lakers did it. But remember, this wasn't to have him under contract with LeBron. He already was under contract with LeBron. This was to extend him when LeBron's gone. Good luck with that. 855 212 cbs is the phone number. All right, we discussed Ty Dunn's really great piece on the Jags last week. He's going to talk to us about it himself